So last week, uh, if you guys were here, we had Big Pete come, and, and he gave us an awesome sermon on prayer, uh, what biblical prayer, what, what biblical prayer looks like, and it was a great sermon. And so this week, uh, you, you know what they say, when the cat's away, the mice will play. So the big cat's away, so the mice get to come out and play. And I'm going to take a step away from Ephesians, like I normally do this morning. And uh, I was thinking about in the winter spring, kind of winter spring time when we did the Wednesday night walk through the Bible. And uh, Matt would take us through one book of the Bible every week. And I thought, yeah, I'd like to get in on that action. I want to do a whole book of the Bible in, in one day. So I thought to myself, uh, What's the easiest book I can go through? What's the quickest, you know, the nicest, easiest way to wrap it up? And so I thought, let's do Revelation, right? <laughs> and so that's what we're going to do today. We're going to go through Revelation in one day this morning. After today, you're going to know Revelation like the back of your hand. Um, and not only that, but I'm actually going to show you in less than five minutes how you can know Revelation. And so if you have a goldfish memory and you can't remember anything I say for more than like one or two sentences, all you have to do to remember what Revelation is like is go to Revelation chapter 1, verse 19. And it says, paraphrase, I don't have it in front of me, it says, write the things that were, the things that are, and the things that are to come. And right there you've got the whole of, of Revelation outlined. And so, on this handy chart here that we're going to relate back to quite a bit this morning, you got Revelation 1, 19a. Nineteen A, which is the things that were, which is the past. You got Revelation 1, 19b. Hopefully you all can read my writing, which is the present. And then over here for the rest, after this line here, you got all the way to the end, you got Revelation 1.19c, which is the future, the things that are to come. And so there you go, you got it. But let's look a little bit more further now. You see all these other lines, I got it uh, hashed out a little bit more. So Revelation 1.19a is chapter 1. And that tells us about, that John gets a, a vision of the risen, glorified Christ, He's sitting on the throne. He's ready to judge. Then we come to chapters 2 and 3. Hopefully my pen works. And that gets us to the church age, which is the present, which is what we're in right now. Right now, we are in the church age. Currently, we would call us living in the church age. The next major event that comes is the rapture, which is right there, Whoop, all the way back to here. That's chapters 4 and 5. I'm going to erase this because that's going to confuse everyone. That's chapters 4 and 5. And that basically outlines the rapture. That's where we go up into heaven. Jesus comes back for his church. We meet him up in the air. We go to heaven. And we live, our, live the tribulation period up in heaven with, with Jesus during this time. So then yeah. after chapter, amen, that's right. Chapter 4 and 5. After chapter 4 and 5 comes uh, the seven-year tribulation period. And so we can split the seven-year tribulation period up into, we kind of split it up into two main parts, two, two main halves. So the first half of the tribulation, first half of the trib, 
got the rest, tribulation, is chapters uh, 6 to 9. And that first half of the tribulation is three and a half years, which is equal to 42 months, which is equal to 1,260 days. And so during that time, uh, we got two major events that we'll kind of go through this morning, and that's going to be two, ma- two major judgments, and that's going to be the seal judgments. There's seven seal judgments, and there's uh, seven trumpet judgments. After that, first half of the tribulation, three and a half years ends. We come to middle of the tribulation events, which is chapters 10 to 15 of Revelation, which I'm going to put down here. And then we get, uh, in the middle of the tribulation period, we get, I mean, there's a whole bunch of stuff that happens, but we're only going to have time to go through the one kind of major thing that we probably all know, the abomination causing desolation, uh, when the Antichrist walks into the newly built temple amongst the Jewish people who are doing grain offerings, animal sacrifices. He walks into the temple, he sets up an idol, and he says, if you don't worship me and worship this idol, you're all going to die. Revelation 10 to 15. Then after that, that kicks in the second half of the tribulation. And that brings us to chapter 16 to 18. And during chapter 16 to 18, we have again, a number of events where we don't have seven hours today. So we're going to go through one major event, which is the seven bowl judgments. And at this point, um, the Antichrist has walked in the temple. He set up the idol. He said, you worship me or you die. And Jesus goes, I think I've had enough of all this. Seven bowl judgments get laid out upon the earth, which brings us to chapter 19, which is what we're all looking for. What would that be? Second coming of Christ. Jesus comes back to earth, riding on a white horse with the armies of heaven in tow. That's you and me from up here in heaven. Then that brings us to chapter 20, at which point uh, we call that the millennial kingdom. Jesus comes back riding on a white horse with us in tow. Uh, an angel binds Satan up for a thousand years, gets thrown in a pit. For a thousand years, Jesus sits on the throne over earth. We rule along with him. After a thousand years, Satan is unbound, allowed to be unbound by no doing of his own. Jesus allows him to be unbound. That's chapters 21 to 22. Satan's unbound, gathers up armies all over the earth to make one last stand at Jesus. What do you think Jesus says? I don't think so. Throws them in the lake of fire, which brings us to chapter one and 21 and 22, which we call the eternal kingdom, at which point uh, the new kingdom gets set up here on earth, and you and me and all those written in the book of life spend eternity with Jesus. And there's revelation. That's it. We'll see you guys later. That's uh, probably the fastest sermon. That's all you need to know, right? <laughs> no, just kidding. We've got a little bit of time here. So we're going to go through uh, and, and actually cherry pick a, a couple of events here through Revelation. And hopefully by the end of it, you'll have a, 
at least good starting grasp on what revelation is like because um, if you're anything like me, which I think we're pretty similar, well, actually, I don't know if we're pretty similar. <laughs> um, you look at revelation, <laughs> that's all I'm going to say. <laughs> I'm a weird duck. Uh, you look at Revelation and you go, I don't think so. Not a chance am I reading that, right? You, you, you start with Revelation and you're like, this is just way too confusing. I think I'll go back and read the book of John again or whatever, right? But today we're going to go through and hopefully by the end of this you're going to say, yes, I want to go home and read Revelation. So let's look at some of the major events here. You know, in my life, um, there have been really two times that I can think of that uh, my life has kind of been given a swift kick in the butt where it's been like um, just about the frailty of life, the importance of, of life here on earth. And w one of them was when my dad died. And, you know, when someone you look up to and, and you think can never get hurt and you think is, you know, your father, you're, you, and you don't think anything can wrong. And can go wrong with them. I, and then when he passes away, you kind of get a wake-up call, right? You kind of go like, wow, man, life is frail. What am I doing with my life? Am I, am I becoming a disciple of Jesus? Am I becoming a, a student of, of God's word? And uh, you start, when someone close to you dies, right, you kind of start to realize, man, life is short. And uh, I, I joke sometimes, I don't want to make light of this, but sometimes I joke with people around me in that I realistically, I look at my dad's family and medical history, and I go, realistically, my long-term retirement plan is to die at 65. Because that's just, when you look at my dad's history and everything, it's like, that's probably what's going to happen to me. So it's like, ah, why set up a retirement plan? I'm not going <laughs> to, like, <laughs> really, I'm going to probably live another 30 to 35 years, and that's, and that's, that's it, like, am I just, and that make, kicks me in the butt a little bit, right, because I joke about it, but at the same time, it, like, that's real life, like, it makes me start thinking, like, well, am I just walking around saying, Jesus, good, sin, bad, have a good day, you know, or am I not even saying any of that, am I scared, too scared to talk to people, and then the other thing that's kind of kicked me in the butt, actually, is going through Revelation right here, so let's look here, let's, let's get into the Bible, hopefully you all grabbed a Bible, Revelation chapter 1. And let's read in Revelation chapter 1. It says, The revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave him to show to his servants the things that must soon take place. He made it known by sending his angel to his servant John, who bore witness to the word of God and to the testimony of Jesus Christ, even to all that he saw. Blessed is the one who reads aloud the words of this prophecy, and blessed are those who hear and who keep what is written in it, for the time is near. You see, Revelation is meant to be understood. Blessed is the one who reads aloud the words of this prophecy. Blessed are those who hear and keep what is written to it, for the time is near. So let's look at what is written in the Revelation of Jesus Christ. So turn with me to chapter 3 now. We're going to keep flipping right through. Chapter 3, verse 14. And so if you remember, uh, chapter 2 and 3 is the church age. And in the church age, uh, John gets a vision to seven different churches of seven different things to write to them. Some good, some bad, some 
um, you know, some need to be rebuked, some need to be encouraged. And, and basically it's a vision from Jesus just saying, hey, send, send each letter to seven different churches, each speci- specific for each church, and tell them what they're doing good and tell them what they need to get better on. So we're going to read just one of these uh, letters to one of the churches. It's going to be the church in Laodicea, chapter 3, verse 14. And so let's read. It says, And to the angel of the church in Laodicea write the words of the Amen, the faithful and true witness, the beginning of God's creation. I know your works. You are neither hot, you are neither cold nor hot. Would that you were either cold or hot. So because you are lukewarm and neither hot nor cold, I will spit you out of my mouth. For you say, I am rich, I have prospered, and I need nothing. Not realizing that you are wretched, pitiable, poor, blind, and naked. I counsel you to buy from me gold refined by fire, so that you may be rich, and white garments, so that you may clothe yourself, and the shame of your nakedness may not be seen, and salve to anoint your eyes, so that you may see. Those whom I love I reprove and discipline, so be zealous and repent. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and eat with him and he with me. The one who conquers, I will grant him to sit with me on my throne as I also conquered and sat down with my father on his throne. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. You see, when I, when I think about my life and again, the, the maybe 30 to 35 good years I have left on this, uh, on this life, when I read that, man, it, it cuts, to, cuts to my heart because it's like, I don't want to be lukewarm for Jesus. I don't want to be like this church in Laodicea who's neither hot nor cold. You know, I, I want to see our church be on fire for Jesus. Are you guys lukewarm for Jesus today? This book is called The Revelation of Jesus Christ. It's the revealing of Jesus Christ. When we get into the judgments of, of the tribulation, kind of chapters 6 to 18 time, we see some crazy stuff. <laughs> but remember that through it all, what we talk about today, this isn't the revealing of the end times. It isn't the revelation of the rapture. It's not the revelation of Satan. It isn't the revelation of, of the bad things that are to come. It's the revelation of Jesus Christ. He stands at the door and knocks. And if anyone hears his voice and opens the door, he will come in and eat with you. Jesus is the one worthy to receive glory and honor and power, for he created all things, and by his will they existed and were created. In the next coming major events, um, this is when really the rubber hits the road, and this is where the... uh, the wheat and the chaff get separated, and it's like, if you're not on fire for the Lord, he will spit you out. So let's look, chapter 4 and 5, the next major event in church history. Right now we're living in the church age. The next major event to come for us that we're looking forward to is the rapture, chapter 4 and 5 of Revelation. Two men will be working in the field, and one will be taken. Matthew 24 tells us two women will be at the grinding wheel, and one will be taken and another left. The Bible doesn't give us any, any indication of when the rapture will be. It could be right now. Or it could be, na- it could be, na- it could be now. Only the Father knows. He, Matthew 24 tells us to be ready, for the Son of Man comes when you least expect it. And so this warning to the church of Laodicea that we read here in, in chapter 3 is a warning to us too. Don't be lukewarm for Jesus, because he'll spit you out and he'll leave you behind. And so the rapture happens. And that ends the church age. That brings to an end of the church age, Revelation chapter 4 and 5. After that, the church age is, is no longer. 
And so we get popped up to be with Jesus in heaven. And so at, at the rapture, we get popped up to be with Jesus in heaven. And we get judged at the Bema seat for our crown rewards. And this judgment here, this first judgment that we have in front of Jesus, is not a judgment of whether you're in or you're out. Let's make that clear. If you're, ra- if you're, you're in, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you're in. End of story. But at this first, first judgment, we sit in front of Jesus on the Bema seat and he gives us rewards We get crowns based on our merits and deeds that we've done in Jesus Christ here on earth. Uh, So then the next thing that happens in Revelation is chapter 6 to 9, the first half of the tribulation. And so we don't know exactly when the tribulation period starts. Just because we get raptured in the next two seconds, nope, Uh, just because we get raptured in the next two seconds doesn't mean uh, the tribulation period starts. It could be Instantly, it could be 100 years. There's no indication of when between the rapture and the tribulation period does it start. But we do know that the beginning of the tribulation period is marked by seven sealed judgments. The Lamb, Jesus, is the only one worthy to open the seals, and he opens each one. Seven sealed judgments get opened upon the world. And so we don't have time to go through it totally, but I'm just going to rattle these out on the seven sealed judgments that happen on earth. So the first seal if you're a note taker, is the Antichrist, bringing a sort of pseudo peace to the world. Uh, Many theologists think this could be kind of the Antichrist rising up, uh, bringing peace to the world, uh, uniting nations, maybe bringing some sort of agreement amongst the nations so that the Jewish people can rebuild their temple and begin grain and animal sacrifices once again. And then we get the second sealed judgment, which gets opened and causes this pseudo peace that has been to be short-lived. The second seal speaks of a rider being granted permission to take peace from the earth so that people should begin killing one another. Then the third seal talks about an intense rationing of food or worldwide famine. The fourth seal gets opened and out comes death and Hades and to them was granted authority over one quarter of the earth to kill with sword and famine and pestilence. Jesus opens the fifth seal And that takes us to heaven where we see martyrs for Jesus crying out for vengeance against their enemies. The sixth seal gets opened and there's a great earthquake. The sun becomes black, the moon becomes like blood, the stars of the sky fall to the earth, and the sky vanishes like a scroll that's being rolled up. And then finally the seventh seal gets opened and there's silence in heaven for about half an hour. And then after about half an hour come seven angels, each with a trumpet, and the first angel blows his trumpet. So turn with me to Revelation chapter 8. Keep going through Revelation chapter 8, verse 6. And we are going to read these seven trumpets. And so as we're reading these seven trumpets, um, I just want to encourage you just to try and visualize in your head what's going on because this is all, like, this is all going to happen at some point during the tribulation period. Um, We believe to the word literally, within context, and I believe this is what is going to happen. This isn't a a metaphor of something or other. This is going to happen upon the earth. So let's read Revelation chapter 8. We'll start in verse 6, and we're just going to read right through and get these seven trumpets in our head and understand what's going on. Now the seven angels who had the seven trumpets prepared to blow them. The first angel blew his trumpet, and there followed hail and fire mixed with blood. 
And these were thrown upon the earth, and a third of the earth was burned up, and a third of the trees were burned up, and all green grass was burned up. The second angel blew his trumpet, and something like a great mountain burning with fire was thrown into the sea. And a third of the sea became blood, a third of the living creatures in the sea died, and a third of the ships were destroyed. The third angel blew his trumpet, and a great star fell from heaven, blazing like, like a torch, and it fell on a third of ri the rivers and of the springs of water. The name of the star is Wormwood. A third of the stars became Wormwood, and many people died from the water because it had been made, made bitter. A fourth angel blew his trumpet, and a third of the sun was struck, and a third of the moon, and a third of the stars, so that a third of their light might be darkened, and a third of the day might be kept from shining, and likewise a third of the night. Then I looked and heard an eagle crying with a loud voice as it flew directly overhead, Woe, woe, woe to those who dwell on earth at the blast of the other trumpets that the three angels are about to blow. Then the fifth angel blew his trumpet, and I saw a star fall from heaven, and he was given the key to the shaft of the bottomless pit. He opened the shaft of the bottomless pit, and from the shaft rose smoke, like the smoke of a great furnace. And the sun and the air were darkened with the smoke and the shaft. Then from the smoke came locusts on earth, and they were given power, like the power of scorpions on earth. They were told not to harm the grass of the earth or any green plant or any tree, but only those people who do not have the seal of God on their foreheads. They were allowed to torment them for five months, but not to kill them. And their torment was like the torment of a scorpion when it stings someone. And in those days, people will seek death and will not find it. They will long to die, but death will flee from them. In appearance, the locusts were like, see this, try and visualize this in your head. Verse seven, in appearance, the locusts were like horses prepared for battle. On their heads were what looked like crowns of gold. Their faces were like human faces, their hair like women's hair, and their teeth like lion's teeth. They had breastplates like breastplates of iron, and the noise of their wings was like the noise of many chariots with horses rushing into battle. They have tails and sting like scorpions, and their power to hurt people for five months is in their tails. They have as king over them the angel of the bottomless pit, his name in Hebrew is Abaddon, and in Greek he is called Apollyon. The first woe has passed. Oh, goodness, two more to come. Behold, two woes are still to come. Then the sixth angel blew his trumpet, and I heard a voice from the four horns of the golden altar before God, saying to the sixth angel who had the trumpet, Release the four angels who are bound at the great river Euphrates. So the four angels who had been prepared for the hour, the day, the month, and the year were released to kill a third of mankind. The number of mounted troops was twice 10,000 times 10,000. I heard their number, which is equal to 200 million. And this is how I saw the horses in my vision and those who rode them. They wore breastplates the color of fire and of sapphire and of sulfur, and the heads of the horses were like lion's heads, and fire and smoke and sulfur came out of their mouths. By these three plagues, a third of mankind was killed. By the fire and smoke and sulfur coming out of their mouths, for the power of the horses is in their mouths and in their tails, for their tails are like serpents with heads, and by means of them they wound. Verse 20, the rest of mankind who were not killed by these plagues did not repent of the works of their hands, nor give up worshiping demons and idols of gold and silver and bronze and stone and wood which cannot see or hear or walk, nor did they repent of their murders or their sorceries or their sexual immorality or their thefts. 
Now flip a page to Revelation 11, verse 15, for the final trumpet. Verse 15, chapter 11. Then the seventh angel blew his trumpet, and there were loud voices in heaven, saying, The kingdom of the world has become the kingdom of our Lord and of his Christ, and he shall reign forever and ever. And the twenty-four elders who sit on their thrones before God fall on their faces and worship God, saying, We give thanks to you, Lord God Almighty, who is and who was, for you have taken your great power and begun to reign. Verse 18, The nations raged, but your wrath came, and the time for the dead to be judged, and for rewarding your servants, the prophets and saints, and those who fear your name, both small and great, and for destroying the destroyers of earth. 19, then God's temple was in heaven was opened, and the ark of his covenant was seen within his temple. There were flashes of lightning, rumblings, peals of thunder, and earthquake, and heavy hail. So do you have a visual in your head? That was a lot of reading. Try and picture what's happening. By the end of these seven trumpets, we have hail and fire mixed with blood being thrown on the earth. A third of the sea becomes blood. A third of the living creatures in the sea are dead. A third of the drinking water becomes poison. A third of the sun and moons are darkened. For five months, locusts that are described as big as horses with human-like faces and lion's teeth torment the people on earth. Then finally, 200 million demons come on the earth. They're released and they're allowed to kill one-third of mankind. So let's just say we started with, let's just say eight billion people on earth at the beginning of it all. And let's say we get raptured, uh, chapter four and five, we get raptured. And let's say, just to keep the numbers easy, half the population gets raptured. So that brings us down to four billion people. And then a quarter of those people are killed during the seal judgments, the first seven seal judgments. A quarter of them are killed. That takes us down to three billion. And then during the trumpet judgments, another one-third gets killed. That takes us down to two billion. And yet chapter 9, verse 20 says, The rest of mankind who were not killed by these plagues did not repent of the works of their hands, nor give up worshiping demons and idols of gold and silver and bronze and stone and wood, which cannot see or walk nor did they repent of their murders or their sorceries or their sexual immorality or their thefts. And so that's what's going to happen during the first half of the tribulation, my friends. <laughs> kind of scary, isn't it? A little bit. And then, there's, and then we come to the, sec the middle of the tribulation. Three and a half years is over. And the major event that happens... During uh, Revelation 10 to 15, we have the middle tribulation events. The major event we've probably all heard of is the abomination causing desolation. And that's when the Antichrist walks into the temple. The Jewish people have set up, a, rebuilt the temple. They're offering grain and animal sacrifices. The Antichrist walks in, sets up an image of himself in the temple. Look with me. Turn to Revelation 13, verse 15. The Antichrist walks in the temple, sets up an idol. What does Revelation uh, 13, 15 says? It says, It was allowed to give breath to the image of the beast, so that the image of the beast might even speak and might cause those who would not worship the image of the beast to be slain. And let's just say, things are about to kick off, my friends. <laughs> 
when the Antichrist walks into that temple, sets up an image of himself that can speak and cause those who would not worship it to be put to death, uh, this is not good. This is not good. <laughs> That's all I can say. And so we get to chapter 16, the second half of the tribulation. Chapter 16 to 18 of Revelation tells us all about the second half of the tribulation. And the major event is the seven bowl judgments. And things really kick off when the bowl judgments come in. You thought the first half of the tribulation was wild? Let's look at the bowl judgments. Let's go for a wild ride here. So Revelation uh, chapter 16. We're just going to read through it again because I can't say it any better than the Bible can. So let's just read it. Then I heard a loud voice from the temple telling the seven angels, go and pour out on the earth the seven bowls of the wrath of God. So the first angel went and poured out his bowl on the earth and harmful and painful sores came upon the people who bore the mark of the beast and worshiped its image. The second angel poured out his bowl into the sea and it became like the blood of a corpse and every living thing died that was in the sea. The third angel poured out his bowl into the rivers and the springs of water and they became blood. And I heard the angel in charge of the water say, just are you, O holy one, who is and who was, for you brought these judgments. For they have shed the blood of saints and prophets and you have given them blood to drink. It is what they deserve. And I heard the altar saying, Yes, Lord God, the Almighty, true and just are your judgments. Verse 8, The fourth angel poured out his bowl on the sun, and it was allowed to scorch people with fire. They were scorched by the fierce heat, and they cursed the name of God who had power over these plagues. They did not repent and give him glory. The fifth angel pours out his bowl on the throne of the beast, and its kingdom was plunged into darkness. People gnawed their tongues in anguish, in anguish and cursed the God of heaven for their pain and sores. They did not repent of their deeds. The sixth angel poured out his bowl on the great river Euphrates and its water was dried up to prepare the way for the kings from the east. And I saw coming out of the mouth of the dragon and out of the mouth of the beast and out of the mouth of the false prophet three unclean spirits like frogs for they are demonic spirits performing signs who go abroad to the kings of the whole world to assemble them for battle on the great day of God, the Almighty. Behold, I am coming like a thief. Blessed is the one who stays awake, keeping his garments on, that he may not go about naked and be seen exposed. And they assembled them at the place that in Hebrew is called Armageddon. And so one after another, bang, 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 six bold judgments get poured out upon the earth. And then it finally ends with the seventh bowl. One after another, these six get poured out. And then in a final judgment, greater than any of the previous sev- 20 judgments that we've looked at. So far, we've had seven seals. We've had seven trumpets. We've had six bowl judgments. The final bowl judgment gets poured out. In verse 17, it says, The seventh angel poured out his bowl into the air, and a loud voice came out of the temple from the throne, saying, It is done. And there were flashes of lightning, rumblings, peals of thunder, and a great earthquake such as there had never been since man was on the earth. So great was that earthquake. The great city was split into three parts, and the cities of the nations fell, and God remembered Babylon the great to make her drain the cup of the wine of the fury of his wrath. And every island fled away, and no mountains were to be found. And great hailstones, about 100 pounds each, fell from heaven on people, and they cursed God for the plague of the hail, 
because the plague was so severe. You got flashes of lightning, thunder, an earthquake great as there has never been on the earth. The great city, which is Jerusalem, is split into three. Every island on earth disappears. Every mountain disappears. Hailstones, about 100 pounds, fall on people from the earth, from heaven. And the people curse God. And that brings us to chapter 19 of Revelation. The big one. The moment we're all waiting for, the return of Jesus Christ. Heaven opens and a white horse with the one sitting on it called Faithful and True in righteousness. He judges and makes war. The name by which he is called, the word of God. And behind him is the armies of heaven, white and pure. That's you and me. Riding behind him. And then an angel comes and binds Satan for a thousand years and throws him into a pit. At which point, uh, in chapter 20, Jesus sits on the throne over earth and we rule with him for a thousand years. And then after a thousand years, Satan is allowed to be unbound. He goes and gathers up his army, makes a final stand. Jesus says, I don't think so, my friend. He is victorious and throws Satan into the lake of sulfur and fire forever. And then just before the eternal kingdom is set up, right at the end of chapter 20, we get the final judgment. This is our second judgment that we see. But this time we're not at the Bema seat like we were at the rapture. This time it's the great white throne, it's called, at the end of chapter 20. Judgment before the great white throne. And this time this, this judgment isn't for, for you and me, the church believers. You see, this time this judgment is for the unbelievers. And friends, let's just say this doesn't go well for them. You see, this judgment that we get here at the second time is not a second chance. It isn't a time for, for you to come before Jesus and, and make your case, well, I was a good person, Jesus. I, you know, whatever, I help people out. This isn't your chance to, to, to try and proclaim why you should be saved from the lake of sulfur and fire. You know, you, you had your chance here on earth. Maybe you you weren't raptured in the church age, you had your chance here during the tribulation. Friends, people are saved during the tribulation period. People are saved during the millennial kingdom if they just repent. That's all they had to do. And yet, you curse God for your own choices you made, for your sexual immorality, for your murders that were going on. You said, God, this is your fault. And so this second judgment we have here at the end of chapter 20, before the great white throne, is when Jesus opens the book of life and if your name is not written in the book of life, then you're thrown into the lake of fire with Satan. I just want to say, don't let that happen to you, friends. There is no second chance once we get to this point. There is no second chance. And so after that judgment, we get what's called the eternal kingdom chapter 21 and 22, and Jesus begins to set up the new Jerusalem, and down from heaven comes the new holy city prepared by God. Chapter 21, verse 3, let's look at it. Chapter 21, verse 3 says, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them, and they will be his people, and God himself will be with them as their God. 
He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain any more, for the former things have passed away. When we get to the eternal kingdom, God will dwell with us. He will wipe away every tear. There will be no more death. There will be no more mourning. There will be no crying. There will be no pain. And so keep going down to verse 18, because this is, this is my favorite part, that we get a look. Some, you know, often we say, oh, what's, what's like life going to be like when we're in eternal time with Jesus? Well, let's look. This is what it's going to be like. It tells us right here. John sees what the new city is going to look like. Uh, verse 18 of uh, Revelation 21, it says, The wall was built of jasper, while the city was pure gold like clear glass. The foundations of the wall of the city were adorned with every kind of jewel. The first was jasper, the second sapphire, oh, I'm going to screw these up, the third agate, the fourth emerald, the fifth onyx, the sixth carnelian, the seventh chrysolite, the eighth beryl, the ninth topaz, the tenth chrysoprase, the eleventh jacinth, the twelfth amethyst. Okay, no one complained. And the twelve gates were twelve pearls, each of the gates made of a single pearl, and the street of the city was pure gold like transparent glass. 22 says, I saw no temple in the city, for its temple is the Lord God, the Almighty, and the Lamb. And the city has no need of sun or moon to shine on it, for the glory of God gives its light, and its lamp is the Lamb. By its light the nations will walk, and the kings of the earth will bring their glory into it, and its gates will never be shut by day, and there will be no night there. They will bring into it the glory and the honor of the nations, but nothing unclean will ever enter it, nor anyone who does what is detestable or false, but only those who are written in the Lamb's book of life. Then 22, we see the river of life. Then the angel showed me the river, verse, yeah, chapter 22, verse 1. Then the angel showed me the river of the water of life, bright as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb. Through the middle of the street to the city, also on either side of the river, the tree of life with its 12 kinds of fruit, yielding its fruit each month. The leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. No longer will there be anything accursed, but the throne of God and of the Lamb will be in it, and his servants will worship him. They will see his face and his name will be on their foreheads, and night will be no more. They will need no light of lamp or sun, for the Lord God will be their light, and they will reign forever and ever. And so this is what's to come for you and me. Man, this is exciting. <laughs> I don't know about you, but that, reading that is just awesome. Like, the, the streets of the city are pure gold. Their gold is so pure that it, it's like transparent glass. There's 12 gates around the city with pearls as their doors. A single massive pearl for each of the 12 gates. Running through the middle of the street is the river of life. Flowing from the throne of God and from Jesus. Right from their throne down through the middle of the city. No longer will there be anything accursed. We'll be there with Jesus. We'll be, we'll be singing... I exalt thee, just like we did this morning, right in front of him. We won't need a temple or a light source, for the Lamb of God will be our light. He'll be, we will see him face to face. Amen? Let's go, man. Jesus, come soon. And then verse 20 ends it. Chapter 22. Chapter, 20 verse, chapter 22, verse 20. 
He who testifies these things says, Surely I am coming soon. Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. The grace of the Lord Jesus be with all. Amen. And so as we read this, as we look at this chart here, hopefully this chart helps you. I've got, I've got actually nicer pre-made things if you want. I don't have them photocopied, but I've spent time to try and make it look all nice, and I can get those to you in the next coming weeks. If you want this chart with a little bit more information on it, a little bit more clear, um, hopefully this morning encouraged you to go home and read Revelation, helped you outline what you're getting into. It's not that crazy once you read it. It's totally good to read. It's meant to be understood. And at the end, as the worship team comes up, Revelation 20, 22, I'm just going to read it again because this is so good. He who testifies to these things says, Surely I am coming soon. Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. The grace of the Lord Jesus be with all. Amen. And so in red letters there, it says, Surely I am coming soon. Jesus is coming soon. We're called to not be ignorant of these things written in Revelation. So I implore you, be on fire for the Lord because these are the things that are going to come. Blessed is the one who keeps the words of the prophecy of this book. These things that are coming are exciting. They're fascinating. They kind of scare me. They make my knees knock a little bit. But they shouldn't for you, for fellow disciples of Christ. These are encouraging words, friends. By the grace of God, you're saved, and you won't be standing at the great white throne during his second coming. You'll be at the Bema seat at the rapture. You'll be coming back with him on a, on a great white horse, the armies of heaven, to rule and reign alongside him. You'll be in, in the final New Jerusalem, seeing him face to face with no more pain, no more cursing, no more death. So be ready, be steadfast, be on fire for the Lord to receive your crown.